kids are, are, are my, I'm just glad my kids weren't up there because I'm not sure what they would have said. And I'm not sure, I wonder if you're thinking that as a parent. What, uh, did they get my kid? Because that, that, I'm not sure what this looks like. But we've had a lot of fun the last few weeks, last three weeks, talking about marriages, talking about um, the relationships that God has, has given us. And now as we turn towards the kids and towards some of the things we can do to develop and, and lead not only our children, but our students and, and our grown kids as we talk over the next few weeks, we want to continue to just kind of point out to you that there's a reason for the order of this series. You know, Brian and, and even Amy a couple weeks ago, they, they have laid such a great foundation. And, and the point of the order is to say this, that if your marriage is moving in the right direction, then, then I believe in a lot of ways your kids, your students will follow. But if you're not working on that and your marriage is falling apart and, and, you've, and you've given up and you've thrown in the towel, then don't be surprised if that's what you find in your kids as well. But I believe God wants something more for us. I believe God wants something more for the families in this church and this community. And that is for all of us to strive to follow after him together and to watch what he does, watch what he puts back together in the meantime. You know, when I drew the, the straw for uh, teaching on parenting, I thought, well, that's kind of funny. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, this is the last subject I really thought about teaching on. I thought, well, you know, there's a few passages that, that come to mind and, and we'll go to God's word. But I thought one of the greatest things that I could do for you this morning, my wisdom and parenting as a 35-year-old with a 9-year-old and a 6-year-old, all the wisdom I have in the world I want to give to you this morning, I thought it'd be really crucial for me to let you know some things not to do. Now, um, legally, I can not confirm or deny that I was directly involved in any of these things, but I just, I want to start off with some what not to do things, okay? So um, just, just follow along and, and hopefully you'll learn something, okay? Uh, the first thing is never have a sparkler in one hand on New Year's Eve while holding your infant child in the other. Um, <laughs> I'd been a dad for about three months. I thought I blinded him. That was a, that was a special moment, I got to tell you. Um, something else just not to do, okay? Don't, don't spray a form of antiseptic in a child's eyes thinking that it will heal pink eye. Um, it's kind of an accident, but it didn't work. Um, something else, if you have asked your child to go to the car and hear a loud noise that sounds like a scream, by the way, from the general direction of the garage... Consider the possibility that his finger is stuck in the car door rather than waiting several minutes to see what the noise actually is. Um, I'll never forget his hand is stuck. Daddy, I can't reach the handle. Oh, it was bad. It's amazing what their fingers can do when they're young. Um, this one is specifically true in Northwest Atlanta. This one is, is really important, okay? If you don't see a yard sale sign out front, don't stop and allow your kids to go through other people's things, offering them extremely small amounts of money. Um, there's a story behind that. It is kind of funny, but some of you need to clean up your porch. Let's just, let's just lay it right out there, okay? <clears throat> when your elementary child is doing their homework, early elementary, don't use the phrase, you honestly don't know that when you're trying to help them. Just throw that out there. <laughs> Not saying I was directly involved or indirectly. Um, don't tell your kids that if they're not quiet or obey, that mom will break out in scabies. Um, that's just a phrase I've heard. I'm not sure what a scabie is. I think it's related to a high, uh, hive, but you don't want to break out in that, kids. So um, don't encourage your kids to get over their fear of dogs by having them pet a pit bull. Now, I want to show you a picture um, for just a second. Um, 
If you will look in that dog's eyes, something will be confirmed in you. Not all dogs go to heaven. The, um, <laughs> my family and dogs have not had very good luck. We've had kind of a string of bad luck. And this is my son, Wesley, when he's a little smaller. And um, he was terrified of dogs, so we just found the biggest, baddest one around and had him pet the dog. And it's a very proud moment. What I can't show you is what happened right after this when some food was placed in front of this dog and Wesley tried to move the plate closer to the dog, that dog nearly took my son's face off. And, um, and so that was a bad moment. Uh, I was so proud right then, and now his fear is on a whole other level. So that's, that happens. But uh, anyway, um, this one's really important. If you don't learn anything else today, um, you need to learn this last one, okay? Uh, don't wake up your kids on April 1st and tell them, surprise, we're going to Disney World as part of an April Fool's joke. Um, (laughs) We made it up to them. But it's funny what you do and don't remember. Um, Don't necessarily remember the falling apart of natural law in the home and the weeping of gnashing of teeth. What we do remember is the joy when they thought we were telling the truth. And... um, that's uh, they. I'm just my kids. I'm 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 very hopeful and praying even now that God will send good, will send good biblical counseling into their paths, and because uh, they're going to need it. I want to talk through a principle today that can guide us in parenting, whether our kids are are two or twenty two or even fifty two, because. The thing that I want to talk about today really falls under the heading of one phrase and one principle that God gives us in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And, and you can go ahead and turn there if you'd like, if you brought your Bibles. Every practical step that we'll talk about today can be applied to whatever season of parenting that you are currently in. And, and even if you're not a parent, and, but you hope to one day be one, but, but even if you're not a parent, but you, you have children and students around you that you influence, I believe that this principle can be applied wherever you find yourself today because I believe and I believe the scriptures bear this out that we as a body we as a community not just a community in a church but as a community as a whole we have a responsibility to point the way for our kids Deuteronomy chapter 6 is all about that Moses is teaching the people some key truths, some key commandments, some some key things that they'll understand if the community is going to be blessed and move in the direction that it's supposed to. And he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. These verses are are referred to many, many times in the history of a a Jewish family. This, this, This command is referred to as the Shema. And in the specific verses in, in four and five are verses that a Jewish child would learn at a very early age. In fact, they were some of the, the first verses that, that they would learn, the first scriptures that they would memorize. They were to be recited in the morning when you woke up and maybe even at night when you go to bed. But in the morning when you wake up, is to be recited with intentionality. And the idea is that these verses, these words will engage your heart and center your mind around the things of God as you start your day. And I can't think of much better words to start a day with than to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands are to be on your hearts. But there's a core principle in this passage that's not only about parenting, but it's about how we live our life with God. The first thing that Moses says is that this has to be on your heart. Very simply, he's saying, before you can lead a child as a mentor, as a parent, the principles that you're talking about have to be in you. You have to be the model. As adults, we have to be the spiritual leaders for everyone who is coming after us. You say, that that sounds like a big deal. That sounds a little bit intimidating to be the the spiritual leader. And I feel like a lot of times I, I don't have my own act together. Well, let me define spiritual leadership this way. It means that you are assuming the responsibility of helping a child, if you're a parent of helping your child, take their next step toward God. You are assuming the responsibility, whether they are three or five or 11 or 15 or 18, and you can even have influence in this after they leave your home. You are assuming the responsibility of helping them take their next step toward God. In Deuteronomy chapter six, Moses goes on to say, you are to impress this upon their hearts, impress this upon their children. Some of your translations say teach, but in Hebrew, the word is actually, the the definition of it is to sharpen. It's the idea of, of getting a tool ready before use or, or getting a knife ready before use. You are, you are sharpening this thing so that it can be absolutely ready to be used and to be at its best. From the scriptures, the primary purpose of teaching your children is to prepare them for the work that God has for them in the future. Teaching them how to handle money, how to handle relationships, how to handle a marriage one day, how to treat their neighbors, teaching them how to handle lives their lives from the truth in this book will help them leave your house. Amen, she says. Some of you are about to get motivated. Teaching them how to rightly handle this book, putting it in them, will prepare them to be used by Almighty God. Moses goes on to talk about how to get these truths into your children. He goes on to say, talk about these things all the time. Talk about the things of God at home. Talk about them in the morning. Talk about it in the evening. When you're on the road, put them on the fridge. Write them on the door. Put them all over the house. Go crazy with it. Set them up for success by filling them with the principles of God's word. It's got everything they need. So does that mean we've got to come up? Are there a bunch of extra like kid and mom and dad list in here? Are there there a bunch of lists we need to, to pose up? No. It's about pouring God's word into them. Listen, there are a lot of great resources on parenting out there. There's a lot of things that we don't have time to get into today. Things on, things on discipline, things on how to schedule your kids, things on how to, how to hide vegetables and the spaghetti sauce and the brownie mix and not let them know. Things on the nuances of birth order and, and, and all those crazy things. There's so much out there in the world of parenting, but behind every expert... And every list, you have to understand one thing. The biblical truth for raising godly kids, for pointing godly students in a direction that they need to go to impact the world for the glory of God is this. Model, teach, and lead the way along the way, day by day. It's as simple as that. There's not a lot of extra rules. There's not a lot of extra lists. 
There's not a bunch of to-do items to fill your homes with and to fill your already busy schedules with. The way that we are to lead, to teach, to direct our children is to do it along the way, day by day. Whatever is in you will come out of you and land on your kids, no matter how old they are. What's in them will come out of them. So how can we implement this? And filling them up with the truths of God's word on a daily basis along the way, day by day. The first thing we need to do is recognize our rhythm as a family. Just, just think about your week for a moment. When, when are you with your kids? I mean, there, there are some days where my wife will tell you she feels like the William Tell Overture is playing in the background as she gets the kids out, the house, out of the house in the morning or, or takes them to the next thing. I mean, it's just this constant, it's this, it's this frantic running. And, and, and sometimes you feel like you, you barely pass each other. You barely have any time together. But the question is, when you are together, how do you use that time? See, when you are together, you have the opportunity for just a few moments of intentionality along the way, day by day. Those Tuesday and Thursday runs to the next ball practice, to the next club, to the next hobby, whatever it is, those 20-minute drives in the car that God gives you, how are you using them along the way, day by day? See, if we can move past the idea that all I'm doing is, is checking off our to-do list, it's just mom and her, or dad in the taxi, and we're just moving the kids around, and we're just taking them from point A to point B, and we're just trying to make sure they stay properly fed and hydrated so we don't go to jail. If we're just trying to just take care of all of those things, and our, if our focus is just on those things, we miss our opportunities. But if we can sit back and consider, God, what moments have you given us with our students, with our teenagers, along the way, day by day, and how, God, do you want us to use them it totally changes the perspective and can give a great deal of freedom from some of the lists and chores that some of you have tried to implement over time. When do you have access to your kids? When are you guys together? Even if, if you have grown children, talked with many parents whose kids have, have recently left for college or they've been gone for the last year or for the last few years and, and you feel like you're, you've really lost influence fast and, and you don't know what to do with that. Let me just ask you, when do they call? When do they text? And, and how are you using those moments? Can you use those moments with some intentionality? Give them something from God's word that they can fall back on when life gets tough, when you are not around. One author said it this way. He said, when the pathways of our lives and our children's lives blend together, when we get into their world and bring them into ours, the result is something called friendship. Wouldn't that be amazing? actually enjoy the time together, to actually enjoy those moments that God gives you and not feel like it's drudgery or not feel like you're just checking off a list, but rather to feel like we are able to journey and do life and make the most out of every moment along the way, day by day. So what are the things we can put into place to redeem and and inspire that daily rhythm that you've already got. I don't don't want to make you reroute the car. I don't want to make you come to dinner an extra night of the week if you think it's just not possible. I don't want to layer on any guilt or anything like that. But how can we take advantage of the rhythm that we already have as a family? The first thing that every family needs, every family, is a shared vision. A shared vision. Have you ever thought of this? I mean, what is the purpose of your family? 
We asked the kids a great question earlier. What, what have your kids taught you? What have your parents taught you about Jesus? We should ask parents, what have your kids taught you about Jesus? But along the way, what if we were to ask the kids, what's the purpose for your family? That would be fun. I mean, why do you live where you do? Because that's what we could afford. Uh, we like the neighborhood. Uh, it was far enough away from our previous neighbors. Um, why, do you, why do you live where you do? And is it possible that God in his sovereignty and his wisdom intentionally put you on the street where you live? That your kids are in that school for a reason, to share the love and the grace of God in a way that no one else can. You see, a shared vision can be a powerful thing and it can help everyone involved want to play their part in making the vision become a reality. Shared vision together, shared purpose together means less raised voices, less contention, less bad attitudes and a better atmosphere in a home because you are on the same team working for the same goals, the same God-directed goals. Together we're wanting to influence our neighbors. Together we're wanting to influence our schools. And every single one of us are identifying our roles in that process. We are a family on mission. What is your family owning together? Where is your family making God known? And do your kids understand their role? Listen, we as parents and adults, we're responsible to link our kids to the greater story of God. And to allow them to be participants. And we get to participate in the story and put everyone in the same page, on the same page together. One author says it this way, I love this. God is at work telling a story of restoration and redemption through your family. God wants to tell a story through you. There are people all around you who don't know the Jesus that you sing about, who don't know of our Savior, and they know that your car leaves on Sunday mornings. And they are looking to us to see what exactly makes that family different. What does it really mean to have a family where Jesus is in the center? God is telling a story of restoration and redemption through your family. The author goes on to say, no matter what your family looks like or how limited you feel your capacity might be, you can cooperate with whatever God desires to do in your heart so your children will have a front row seat to the grace and goodness of God. As you achieve things together, you give your kids something to celebrate and be, a, and be proud of together. As you see that vision come to fruition, as you see those people you've been praying for be reached, as you see the kids in the school that, that needed help, as you've helped them out, as you've done things, you have things to celebrate as a family. Proverbs chapter 17, verse six says, grandchildren are the crown of the aged and the glory of children is their fathers. Now, did you catch that? Listen, this is biblical. Every kid loves their grandparents, okay? And, and because God said it, it's like it's the most unfair advantage on the planet. These people don't even have to try, okay? But it says it about parents as well. The scriptures are telling us every child Every student has a natural desire inside of them to be proud of their parents. And when that is missing, when you're not giving them something to be proud of, I think we find kids and students who are spun out of control. 
Last week, I was throwing the football around with my boys in, in the backyard. My, my six-year-old Wesley, he said, Dad, you could be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, based on recent history, there's some truth to that. And here's the thing. I'm not going to tell him any different. I mean, do you realize I'm throwing a Nerf football about 10 yards in the backyard? And my kid is looking at me going, Dad, you're awesome. You only drop every other one. No, Dad, you're doing a great job. There's something natural inside of him that wants to be proud of his dad. There's something natural that wants to be proud of mom. And my boys, they're proud of their mom. Angela does so many great things that she teaches our kids. And just one of them is just, she loves holidays. I mean, and she, she just teaches our guys to get the most out of those special celebratory moments of life. And, and I'm just not talking about Christmas and Easter. I mean, a couple weeks ago at the gym of all places, she found out it was National Chocolate Cake Day. Okay, listen, and she found it out at the gym, which there's another story there somewhere, but listen, that's a good day. We need to celebrate that day together. That day is on the calendar from here on out. I mean, come on. They're proud of their mom. They've been taught to recognize all the incredible things she does. When she volunteers at school, she models for them, reaching out to the kids that maybe everyone else is is cast aside and, and bringing them into the mix. There's so many good things. Let me ask you a question. I'm not asking your kids, but it would be fun. But let me just ask you, what are you giving your children to be proud of? What are you giving your kids to be proud of? See, the things that they are proud of in you are likely going to be the things that they strive for. And if your main objective is to see how much stuff you can accumulate and leave it for them to sell it on eBay, don't be surprised with their attitude. Give your kids something more to be proud of. Give them something to strive for and let the main things you give them to be proud of be your love for God, your love for your spouse, your love for others, your love for your family, your love for for people. Let them see that in you every day. Let them see that in you along the way, day by day. It's got to be in you before it can be in them. But whatever's in them, whatever you've deposited, is going to come out of them. So one of the greatest things we can do as parents is to, is to teach our kids the scriptures. What are you doing right now to teach your kids the scriptures? How are you learning the scriptures as a family? Proverbs chapter 22 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It doesn't say beat your kid up and they'll figure it out. Or it doesn't say just harp on them all the time and eventually they will turn into the child that you're hoping they'll be. No, but rather it's talking about build them up. Give them something positive. Pour into them the truths of God's word. And I know for some of you, that's a very intimidating thought because you're like, listen, my family didn't do that growing up and I don't feel like I know the Bible. I don't feel like I have enough scripture in my mind to teach my kids. Let me tell you a secret. (laughs) I gotta tell you a secret. They don't know it either. You say, I don't know enough to teach my kids. You know more than they do, most likely. Or at least you can get one step ahead of them. Some of you might be thinking, listen, how do I, how do I learn the Bible in, in this church? I mean, we've got, we've got journey groups and we've got Sunday night groups, but I feel like I need to know a lot before I can go to one of those things because those are all for people who already know the scriptures, which is not true. Um, but let me tell you a secret about the greatest place in a church to learn the Bible. In this church, it's KidQuest. 
You can go up there and teach kids the scriptures and they don't know how clueless you are. It's incredible. We send you the lessons in advance. You get to read over them for just a few minutes and then you get to teach them back to kids and you get to see light bulbs come on in them while they're coming on in you. You're like, wow, I mean, I'm learning all kinds of things. You've got Jonah and the prophets and things about Jesus you didn't realize. And all the time you're giving it to these kids and you're learning it yourself. And the same is true at home. If you have small children at home or elementary kids, get a, get a children's Bible that you can read together at mealtime or at bedtime or in the morning, when, whenever it fits the rhythm of your home, whenever you're already together. Listen, if you've got students, if you've got teenagers, now they've got a little more knowledge. They can, they can be a little more of, of a challenge that way. But listen, here's what you can do. Come alongside the things we're doing here with students on Wednesday nights. Make sure your students are at, are at Reckless and at Revolution and, and make sure that you know what's, what's going on so that you can ask them about it. Listen, our middle school pastor, Brad, gave a talk this previous Wednesday night. We separated the boys and the girls and he he just talked to the guys and that was the part I heard. He gave a talk on purity that every middle school boy needed to hear. It was one of the best talks I've ever heard on that subject for that that age group. And listen, as parents, you've got got to be engaging with them. You have the opportunity to be engaging and, and learning alongside of them. And as adults, you'll think different thoughts, you'll apply it in different ways, but you'll be learning right alongside in the meantime. Second Timothy 3 says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, so that they've got it from wherever your starting point is from now forevermore. Create space in your home to learn the scriptures as a family and launch your children out into a world where they are God-directed, decisive, responsible people. You don't have to be a pastor to do this. You don't have to have a Bible degree to do this. You've just gotta be willing to get in there with them. Well, if we were to ask this question, what are you praying for as a family? When do you, when do you pray together? I mean, you've got, the, you've got the rhythm, you've got things along the way, day by day. Are there any of those moments, whether it's in the car or, or quickly at night or, or in the morning or whatever it is, where you can claim that together, we're gonna have some things that we're gonna pray for as a family and, and watch as God shows up. At a young age, it, it, it starts and, and the prayer request that your kids might give, it, it might sound different. I mean, you might find yourself praying for, for sick kittens. I don't, I don't know. But as they move along, and as you, as you, as some would say, move them down the clicks, you find yourself beginning to pray for different things as, as you do this along the way, day by day. You find yourself praying for family members. You find yourself praying for people in your extended family. And you find yourself praying for some of their friends. And as you continue to move them along, you might encourage them to begin to pray for classmates. And as you encourage to, as you move them along, along the way, day by day, praying together, maybe you're praying for not just for classmates that they like, but for the ones that give us the hardest time. Maybe you're praying for teachers, you're praying for schools, you're praying for neighbors along the way, day by day, you're moving them along. And as you shepherd them, don't be surprised when they start praying big faith prayers. They go beyond whatever you were thinking and take them out of your house and into a world where they are making a dynamic impact for God. You say, I want that for my kids. Where does it start? It's very simple. Along the way, day by day. 
One of the greatest gifts that we can give to our kids along the way, day by day, is just the power of a personal story. I don't know why that is. I don't know why this seems hard sometimes. I don't know if you feel like it was hard for your parents. It seems like you go to the, the family reunions and there's always the crazy uncle telling his stories or maybe you've got the granddad that's a good storyteller, but it's like the pa- parents seem to, it's like we skip and we wait for the grandkids to come and then we tell them all the stories. A recent study came out that just said a secular study that if we as parents will tell our kids our personal stories, that that is, there, is being identified as a key to maintaining a long-term friendship with our kids, even into adulthood. What do your kids know about you? Psalm 78 says this, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might. He says, the author says here, we will not hide the good or the bad. Do your kids know when you messed up? I mean, not just this week, not just a few days ago, but but do your kids know the mistakes that you made when you were their age? Or you just beat them up about the ones they're making? What are the stories that you're telling I told you earlier, we, we, I don't know what the deal is. We have a dog thing at our house. Dogs, we get along with some dogs, but some we just don't. And I don't know why that is. But I may have passed it down. If this is a generational thing that could be passed down, it probably came from me. My uncle Don had a dog when I was a kid whose name was Smokey. Now, I don't know what kind of dog Smokey was. He looked like Wolf. I'm going to go with Hellhound as the appropriate breed. This dog used to terrify me. And as a dad, you know, now I have boys, you know, I, I don't want my boys to be afraid of anything. I want them to go and, and kill and eat and conquer, you know, all those kinds of things. But, you know, my guys have had these moments with dogs since they were, since they were little. And I remember one particular moment, um, my wife had been at a party or something and, and some dog had, had gotten out and terrorized my son. Or I don't, why is it always my kid? Pick on somebody else. But they, they picking on my kid and he got upset and she felt bad because she got embarrassed because she's the same way. She wants him to go out and kill and eat and conquer and that's what you want boys to do. And, but she's got a, a little boy that's just crying. He's just, he's just absolutely sobbing and he's, he, he feels bad, she feels bad. She calls me and, and I can hear him crying and, and I say, where are you? And, and, and she was not far from the church. And I said, come here, come to the church. And I got out, I, I was waiting, I actually came down, I waited for him. They pulled up in the circle out here and, and uh, as Angela tells the story, I just totally blew her off. I walked right past her and she's having her own moment, but it didn't matter to me at that time. And I was working on parenting, not husbanding right now. And, and I unbuckled him from the car seat and I scooped up my boy. I said, let's go talk together, buddy. And so we walked down the sidewalk right out here. And we walked hand in hand and, and I... I he told me a little bit about what happened. And I said, well, I, have I ever told you about Smokey? And I, I toned down the hellhound part because I didn't want nightmares later. But I just looked at him and said, you know, me too. I have a thing with dogs. I, you know, the dogs and I just haven't gotten along. And, and it's in my blood. Now it's in your blood. And we'll figure it out together, you know. And we've done that. But what, how powerful is it for a parent when we can come alongside of them and say, you know what, me too, me too. I've done that, I've messed that up. 
I've struggled with that subject. I had a teacher crazier than yours. I've had all these things. And what does it communicate more than anything else when we share with them our stories? It tells them that beyond everything else that you're thinking, that we believe in you. I believe in you enough to share everything that I have done with you. I believe in you enough to share my mistakes. I believe in you enough to share my failures. There's a trust factor here. I, I, I believe in you enough to, to share with you some things that I actually did right and hoping you will have your own version of those things. When we tell our stories, when we pour into our kids, when we take the time along the way, day by day, we're actually saying above everything else, I believe in you and God does too. When I pray over my kids at night, I, a lot of times I'll pray the same scriptures over them. I'll take the words from the page and I'll just, I'll make them personal and I'll make them for Will and, and for Wesley and I'll, I'll pray for them. And one of the things that I try to include oftentimes in their prayers is I'll say to them, I want you to grow up and understand that daddy loves you, that mommy loves you and God loves you too. Because I am his representative to my boys. I am absolutely the representative of God. And I want them to know that God thinks they've got what it takes. Whatever he wants to give them to do, they've got what it takes. I learned something from Brian. I think he was doing this with Taylor and Zachary for a while, something similar. And so when my boys got into school, I started doing it too. My kids attend Nebo Elementary School in South Paulding. And... I've done this a few times now, and I, I really do it to teach, but I also do it to embarrass them publicly, which is something that dads are allowed to do. It's also in Deuteronomy somewhere. The, um, so I wait till the car door is open, and just as they're getting out and other kids are along the sidewalk and, and, and other teachers are along there, I make an announcement. Greatness has come to Nebo. And I, I do, I, I do the, the corny, you know, African-American pastor voice. I mean, I, I'll get in there. Greatness has come to Nebo, Dad. So that just makes me do it louder. They've learned that too. Now they just shut the door really quick and get away as far as they can. It's not, I, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Sometimes it's greatness has returned to Nebo. Hold on, Nebo. Greatness is coming. Greatness has arrived. Look out. Here they come. I don't want to set unreasonable expectations. I just, they're, going to, they're each going to be president one day. It's not a big deal. After they win the Heisman and the Super Bowl, they'll, they'll be there. I want them to know they've got what it takes. Whatever God puts in their way, whoever God puts in their path to love, to reach, no matter how difficult it may be, they have absolutely got what it takes. I believe in them. God believes in them. I love them. God loves them. And the only way to reinforce that, it's not to sit them down and go, Here, God loves you. Got it? Good. Rather, it's to model it. It's to teach it. It's to pour into them along the way, day by day. Let's pray together. This morning, I don't know where you feel that you are in your parenting. I don't know how stressed out you feel. I don't know how challenged you feel, how worn out you feel. 
but I hope that the message this morning builds into you positively because that's the kind of parents we're supposed to be. We're supposed to build them up. We're supposed to sharpen them. We're supposed to impress these things on their hearts. So let them first be impressed on ours. Today, I don't know where you are as a parent. I don't know what you can, what the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart to pray right now. But I want to challenge you in this moment. Ask God, help me with my parenting. God, give us a shared vision as a family. I don't know what that looks like. It sounds a little different to me to write out a vision statement or a purpose statement for our family. But, but God, that, give us that so that you can do your work of restoration. Tell your story of restoration through our family. I know that there are some of you this morning, you have kids that are far from God. They may have started out that way, but they've strayed and, and, and you're, you're, you're hurting for them today. I want you to know that you can start today pouring into them fresh and new love and strength and encouragement and pour it into them along the way, day by day. It doesn't matter if they're two. It doesn't matter if they're 12. It doesn't matter if they're 22. Whenever you talk with them, whenever the rhythm of your life causes you to encounter each other, take advantage and breathe God's word into your relationships with your children. God, I just want to bring our families to you right now. I want to bring my family to you right now. And God, I I want to ask that you would help us to be the light that you want us to be on our streets. God, that you would help us to raise up kids, sons and daughters, God, who will make an incredible impact for you, who when they leave our homes, they're leaving and changing the world, impacting the world, with your love and with your grace because of everything we've poured into them. Lord, today that's on our hearts, but God, today some of us need rescue. God, today some of us are struggling to just figure out how to get through the afternoon without arguing as a family. God, would you help us to take a breath? Would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? Would you guide us? Would you help us to know what what to impress upon each of our kids, our students, wherever they are today, along the way, day by day? God, there's no perfect parents. There's no perfect children aside from you and from your son. God, teach us how to be more like you. And may the families in this room impact a community in a way, God, that points everybody to you. In Jesus' name.